On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be launching into our journey through the filmography of Neil Breen with his 2005 debut, Double Down. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. My name is Aaron Brand. I always thought I was doing the right thing and preparing for life. I've always lived between this world and the other. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 33. This is Brandon. And as always with me is the best co-hoster, Cullen. I have all the medals. I know how to hack into any system. I Anything you need for anything ever in any situation, you, I can do got, it. You acquired all eight medals? Yes. Today we're talking about 2005's Neil Breen debut, Double Down. Cullen, what's one of your laptops say this movie's about? An edgy action thriller set in Las Vegas during a terrorist attack. A brilliant computer hacker loner takes control of the city and the attack as he fights with his fits of overwhelming depression and obsessions with love and death. Double Down is produced by Neil Breen. Written by Neil Breen. Directed by Neil Breen. Starring Neil Breen, Laura Hale, Mike Brady, and Robert DeFrancesco. Uh, welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade's uh, beginning of uh, watching every film by Las Vegas auteur and real estate agent Neil Breen. An architect. He's known... He's known for his architecture. I believe that's his main, his main job. job. And it shows in his films. First, welcome back. Uh, Cullen, do we have any emails, tweets, or anything? I'm sure Gary tweeted at us. I don't remember. He, he knows, knows what, what he, he did. did. Uh, before we move on, uh, you know how to contact us. But Cullen, you've been uh, popping up on the Brother Brother Beer Cast lately. You want to where people can find you and what you're talking about on there? Uh, you can find us on it's on iTunes. It's also on JL Media Today. Uh, Brother Brother Beercast is an uh, arts and entertainment show in Indianapolis area. There's a lot of bands that appear on there. Uh, we also have some burlesque dancers. And anyone that just generally creates art, we, there's uh, photographers that have been on there and painters, sculptors, whatever. And we uh, sit down with them, talk about what they do, how they do it. It's, you know, it's just... Uh, interview with with artists and and uh, maybe maybe we'll find out their muse uh but we we'll try to have a good time and johnny lyles is the creator 
he's he's the man behind the madness. Number one and, radio personality uh, that, in Indianapolis is voted by Nouveau Magazine. That is correct. The, the show is fueled by Paps Blue Ribbon. Uh, there, there's some wonderful people there. And the last episode I recorded, uh, we interviewed a band called Just the Tip. And they absolutely make good on their name. So I recommend that you check them out and see uh, why they're called Just the Tip. Definitely. And Johnny is one handsome fellow. Yes, yes, he is, and he knows all about just the tips. Yes. Uh, definitely, definitely check that out. There's some fun shows. Moving on, we're in Neil Brainsville for this month. Um, you'll be getting an episode every week of November as we go through all four of his films, including today's Double Down, I Am Here Now, Fateful Findings, and Pass Through. After watching Double Down, I can't believe that more of them got made. Yeah. Like, these have to be self-funded. There's no way anyone is giving him money to make these yeah. movies. I, I found out about Neil Breen through you, Cullen. So where did you find out about Neil Breen? Uh, my exposure to Neil Breen started because of Red Letter Media. Uh, they have a show called Best of the Worst where they take three movies and they decide what's the best of the worst of those movies. And one of the movies was Double Down. And it looked... Uh, like a descent into madness that I had to figure out. And I told mm-hmm. you about it and your jaw also kind of dropped. And we were like, we have to, we have to watch this. I, th- I think the first new brain movie we watched, we watched dangerous men the first time. And then, you know, we intentionally got together to watch that. And we usually do a double feature. And I told you about Neil brain that night. And you're like, man, I got to see this. I have to see a Neil brain movie. And, Boy, howdy! It did. It did not disappoint with the brain torture. Because that's what every one of these movies should be called: brain torture, brain torture, volume one, volume two, volume three. Because saying like part one and part two means that they would flow together, and nothing in these movies flowed together at all, ever. Whew. There's Tommy Wiseau, but man, Neil Breen's genuine. He makes Tommy Wiseau look like Orson Welles. Because at, le- at least the room had characters with names and dialogue. They both they both share the fact that they, they think of each other very highly in terms of like how great they are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <sighs> well that that's what but it really bleeds into this movie even more because in, in Double Down he is he's the best at everything there's nothing he isn't good at apparently these movies we're gonna try to do our normal thing with how we go over movies but due to the nature of the zaniness of the narrative of a neil breen movie it's going to be hard and sometimes we may be going in order but it's not going to seem like it to, to everyone because of just the strange jump arounds these movies are edited by a blender. They're just all over the place. They don't, there's no logical progression of a story. It's just some stuff happens in the desert. Yeah. The only thing that happens is it starts and it ends at so many different points in this movie. I thought, Oh, we're done. And I don't mean like the first Lord of the Rings movie. I don't mean like that where it had like three times where it looked like it was ending. I mean, it, it was like one of those times where it's like, oh, it's going to be one of those movies that has a disappointing ending. It just kind of ends. And the last half hour of the movie, I thought, oh, so this is a, 
the weird, awkward ending we're getting. No, there's there's still 20 minutes left of this movie. Yeah, and when it finally does end, it's like, okay, well, good, I can move on with my life. This movie, Double Down, Neil Breen plays Aaron Brand, but I just want to call him Neil Breen. Like, I, you know? Uh, yes, sure, yeah. It doesn't matter. I think there might be one other person that has a character name. There are other people that have character names, but it's they're like the senator, the head of Homeland Security, you know, stuff like that, where every everything in this movie is vague. It's vague and it's specific. And the characters are this. And the, most their of names it means nothing. Are the same way. Yes. You know, usually when we watch these movies, we can tell what's going to be important later and what isn't. It could be, we have no idea. Nothing is important and everything is important. It's a, it's a damn paradox. (laughs) And Double Down opens up and just to sort of sum up the first 20 minutes of this movie is Neil Breen in like a black wife beater jeans and cowboy boots walking around the desert, climbing up like hills and voiceover while he also messes around on his computers and telling us everything and showing us nothing for 20 minutes. Yeah, the the first 10 minutes, I would say, is just him talking about how he's the best at everything, about how he has uh, he's he's the best at computers. He's the he has developed a way to control any computer or satellite a way. Who knows what this way is? It could be programs. It could, he could be, uh, he could use telepathy. We don't fucking know. He just has a way. Yeah, I sat and I was like, I, he's, he's like, he's like Richard Pryor from Superman three. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just yeah, does it. Yeah. It, at least Richard Pryor's surprised by his actions. Yeah. But Neil Breen's character is like, well, of course I'm great at, at everything. Cause he's like, he says like, he's the, he was in uh, the Air Force as a pilot, yep, he's right? He's an agent. But, like, you know, the fact that I love how they they shy off from, like, any kind of, like, physical, like, attributes like a super spy might have because he's <laughs> like, oh, they don't do that. It's Everything's quiet. Everyone's silent. That's right. Let, let's, let, let's talk about the physicality of Neil Breen for a moment. How, how would you describe Neil Breen's oh, physical presence? Gross Brandon? Florida grandfather. <laughs> on the beach, like yeah, he looks without the tan, without the tan, without the tan. Yeah, his 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 face kind of looks like someone put a bunch of, of silly putty together, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna mold this into a bust of a person, and they got about twenty minutes in and said, ah, fuck it, that looks close enough to a person. And then they put hair on it. That's new. And the Green's hair looks face. transplanted from like an early '90s like Cinemax softcore movie actor. Yeah, it's, yes, it does, <laughs> which explains some of the sexiness that happens later right. in the movie. It's, oh my gosh, I, I try like he tells us a lot, and I picked up like I'm just like writing stuff down. Like he's, he's a covert agent. He's like, he lived between this world and the other. He's a covert agent. He's a mercenary for any nation that wants to control another. He met the love of his life at age seven. They've stayed together forever. They're getting married. 
he developed a way to control a- any computer or satellite the government has. He keeps with him two laptops and two flip phones. Like, this is a common theme here. You're going to be revisited in Neil Breen movies. He seems to think that power and intelligence comes in the form of how many laptops you own. Yes, uh, I recall in the movie that he said he had six six laptops, five phones, and bioterror. Yeah, and he, he also... <laughs> That's all he, he needs, wears apparently. surgery gloves while he's uh, on his laptops. Yeah. Handling bioterror. Hey. <laughs> Oh, his on his laptop, yeah. And yeah, yeah. By the way, yeah, fun fact. Uh, I don't think. Well, I guess this isn't a fact. Folks, let me know if you put surgical gloves on your hand and you try to use like the touchpad on a laptop. I don't think that's gonna no, work, right? I, that I wouldn't, wouldn't work. Think so, other other facts about uh, Neil Breen in this movie. Uh, his own government scared of him. Uh, he's got controlled access to the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency which is access to anything and everything. He gives all his money to children's support agencies and national disaster evacuees. His mission in this movie is he's ordered to shut down the Vegas Strip for two months. We're told that at the beginning, but then, like, they reintroduce it, like, 45 minutes into the movie again, like it's new. It doesn't... He has orders to shut down Vegas. From who? Who is ordering him to shut down Vegas? Uh, Neil Breen also has electro, uh, bioelectro implants that assist him in carrying out his attacks. He eliminates white-collar criminals who escape the legal system. As well as covert acts, I also take care of eliminating white-collar criminals who have escaped the legal system. They get what they rightly deserve, and the fields are full of their bodies. Apparently Neil Breen buries them himself, but he doesn't bury them very deep because there's like a hand sticking out of the dirt when they show one. (laughs) Yes, he just throws some dirt and rocks on them. He's like, ah, that's good enough. The heat will take care of it. That's that's the one thing he's not good at is digging. Everything else, he excels, but digging and weightlifting, he can't do those things. Being the most dangerous man in the world, he all he wanted uh, was to be happy and in love, and it's all gone forever, and he just. He's simple because he eats tuna out of a can and lives in a car. And they, they show him eating the tuna. Like, he's literally eating out of the can, getting it all over himself. And, and it's not just, like, a little chunk here and there. It's, like, big, fat pieces, like, all down his shirt and his pants. It's like he dumped, like, a quarter of the can just in his lap. Like, okay, so, okay, that's another thing he's not good at. He's not good at putting food in his mouth. That's probably why he's so skinny. Right. He mi- yeah, and he says everything he needs is always with him. Two satellite dishes, five laptops, six cell phones, and bioterror. Is this bioterror the name of, like, the chemicals that he has? Yeah. Is that what he, it's he called? Tells, he tells us oh our hero, God. he's planted biological bombs in seven major cities around the world, and, and he has to send this coded command every third day so they don't go off. And the news agencies know all about this. And then his other his other cool thing, he has a laser shield device that hides his location. I've invented an invisible shield device using satellite lasers, which I can hide objects in a small area so that I can stay in a location for some time without being found. I disappear. I become invisible. The force shield will cause death if an intruder gets too close. 
it's like he decided, like, look, I don't know how I'm going to finish this movie. I need to prepare for every eventuality within the first 20 minutes of this movie. So if I want to do anything later in the movie, then it makes sense that I can yeah. do his, it. His skills allow him to both start and end wars. <laughs> Why would he start wars? Why would he do that? What a he doesn't dickhead. have to use that power, but it's a good threat. But, but, but with all these things that he says, including the ability to start and stop wars, the guy's a, he's a supervillain. He's a supervillain living in a in a car in the <gasps> yeah. desert who eats tuna. And, and by the way, why the hell are you living in the desert, you dumbass? <laughs> How, it's super hard to get water well, in the and he, desert. And he sleeps out there, and he doesn't sleep in his car. He's, he's constantly like sleeping outside his car, no blankets, no pillows, just in his clothes. He just falls asleep next to his car with "Help Me" written in blood on the car, and every time he wakes up surprised. Right. Like you'd figure after a while, it's like, ah, damn it, it happened again. You know, it, it it's not like he gets drunk. I mean, he's got. I guess he's got mental problems or something. I don't know why. Uh, I, I guess the loss of his wife makes him sleep outside his car. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, this you know desert. Just watching him like frolic in the desert, it turns into he drives off, and there's this boy, and he starts saying, "Where are you? Where am I? You are me." Like, what? Yeah, and this is this is Neil Breen yes. talking. It's it's and when we say talking, we don't mean he's speaking. It's all internal dialogue. The first approximately twenty minutes, it's all internal dialogue. Yeah, it's and it's all it just doesn't go together. It's just it's worthless. It's worthless. And he then goes and tests some powder in a lake. Yeah, he te- he tested yes. bioterror <laughs> yeah. in the lake. And then some kids play, and he's like, it's it was love at first sight. We've loved each other since. And that's the thing with Neil Breen. He will repeat sentences, like the same sentence in different ways in a row all the time in these movies. We show It shows these kids and then adult versions playing with each other. So it's like him and his love of his life as kids and then as adults. And, you know, when he's around his wife, he's still wearing the same clothes. <laughs> he has a style yeah, where he just sticks with the it. Desert. And then we get some, like, weird stuff with you know neil breen poetry i i guess i'll call it and you know the woman walking around the desert and our first line of dialogue happens at 18 minutes 20 seconds and it's him and his woman they're getting naked in a pool and he proposes to and it's well the way he says it it's so weird it's some (laughs) awful neil breen dialogue it's like you said He'll say something, and then he'll repeat it in a slightly different way. I love being with you. I love you. Will you marry me? Yes. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I can't wait to be your wife. Like you don't have to say I love you. You said I love being with you. It's implied that you love yeah, her. Yeah, he really compounds. I mean, if you 
you don't get that Neil Breen loved this woman, then whew, well, <laughs> then you weren't paying attention. You got to pay Double attention Down. to Double Down to get it. So there's there's like a red dot on Neil Breen during this whole thing, and we see a sniper, and then his wife gets shot, and he goes like, "Anything's possible." Oh, jeez. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, well, yeah, she's been. Sh- he holds her, and when he does that, it's like, did did, did he just like he did he just yeah. come? That's what it seems like. Cause he holds her like ah, ah. yeah. It, well, and this uh. is followed by some weird imagery. Like, there's like she's floating in the water, and then him holding a bloody flower. And then he's floating in the water next to her, where you can kind of see his uh, wiener. <laughs> yeah, you get you get a good presence of his ball sack in that yeah. shot. <laughs> and then he's got blood all over him and is screaming at the sky with those sound. And then we get like a a montage of them with like him saying "thank you for loving me" in a voiceover. It's just it's the messiest, artiest bullshit you might ever see. Yeah, it's something that's trying to be artistic, but there's no substance to it, yeah. so it doesn't mean anything. It's just a bunch of weird shots put together. Yeah, and then well, then he wakes up in the car with, you know, one of the many times he'll wake up in the car with blood written "Help me" on it. Yeah, and this if this is the first time it's happening, and then his reaction is makes sense, where you know where he backs up, he's like, "Whoa!" He doesn't say anything, but he does have an expression of like, "What the hell? This is crazy." Which would be a natural reaction to this, but it happens so often. I don't know if this is the first time it's happened to him. I don't think no, it is. it can't be. If this movie's told in order, which maybe it's not. Oh, maybe. Oh, I don't uh, know. He tapes a picture of the woman to his windshield and then changes his license plate because he's constantly changing his identity. He goes to a rest stop and changes his clothes Wait, because but, but, he couldn't have done that in the desert. And it, it takes so damn long. For him to change that license plate, like we see it, like in real time, like we, like I thought, like we were gonna see him actually, like do the whole process because it goes on way too long. And I love that that's how he changes his ID, like as he changed the plate. Yes, identity change. They'll never find me now with the three Directv satellite dishes. I have attached the back of my so, car. So he goes to Vegas to meet with this guy, and you can obviously tell he like gorilla filmed this at like five a.m. when like nobody's out there. Yeah. But it's it's funny when he's you know talking. You can hear they obviously use the live dialogue recorded, and you can hear like cars honking at them and stuff in the background, which is funny. No, I don't think so. I think that's I think that's you think they, you think you edit all because like... it sounds like people are like ha ha. I see you. I think no, it's too awkwardly placed and too. See, that's loud why I thought it was genuine. Like, like I was like, oh man. Well, I'm also sure that those are put in later because when he's on this strip, they meet next to the yeah. Luxor, and when he's talking to someone else that I think is from something called the Agency. Maybe I'm not certain. But when they do like single shots of them talking, you know, back and forth uh, to each other and it's shot kind of low. So you don't see any background. You only see yeah, the it sky. Been anywhere. So, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking that it's just 
it's probably like in Neil Breen's backyard or out in the desert. It's just anywhere. I don't think it's, you know, on the strip. I just, and I think that that audio of like the horn honking and stuff like that, I think that's just like a sound effect you know, I, CD that they put in. I honestly, think Neil Breen's a genius. And he was hoping he did this with an intention of people debating and discussing. <laughs> I mean, we're talking yeah, about this it. This is what he wanted. He'll never tell us, but this is what he wanted. If he told us, he'd ruin the whole mystique. So this guy he meets with, apparently there's this this dude who will kill anyone and anywhere to advance his terrorist goals, and he's worse than 9-11 and everything that happened after 9-11 that no one knows about. He's going to wipe out half of Vegas with some biological weapons, and Neil Breen then drops some like knowledge on bioterror, which is like, yeah, we get it. You read up on conspiracies, Neil. I'm always amazed at how governments all over the world are so concerned about nuclear missiles and nuclear bombs and all the very expensive and secret technology involved. The reality is that chemical and biological weapons can be much more destructive to societies and economies than nuclear weapons. They're cheap, they can be transported by anyone anywhere they involve little scientific technology they can be dispersed silently and discreetly without anyone knowing it and the terrorists make a clean getaway that's why the government focuses so much attention on nuclear weapons they don't want the public to know the real danger is chemical and biological weapons of mass destruction what did you think about the complete change in uh, eyeline yeah! during this? That was awful. Like, you know, uh, for you uh, film buffs out there, when you, when you have a conversation, when you're showing two people talking, uh, and you have single shots of them, you have uh, usually like one person on the left looking at the person on the right, and you have one person on the right looking at the person on the left, and their eyelines kind of match up to the approximate height and stuff like that. And at the beginning of this conversation, Neil Breen is on the left side of the screen in a single shot, and the other guy is on the right side of the screen. Uh, however, at some point during the conversation, Neil Breen is also on the right side of the screen looking at the left side of the screen. But sometimes, then he'll look back at the right side of the screen while still being on the right side of the screen. It's like, what the, where the fuck are you two in relationship Brilliant. to each other? Yeah, is that what it is? Is there a third person that we don't see? Are they made of that invisible force field that's around his car that kills the people? Of Neil Breen. We think uh, we get a long stock footage shot of the Vegas Strip, and I'll tell you what—a third of this movie is made up of stock footage and incredibly well, long like... takes. Which it's like, Neil, you didn't shoot these. Why? Why are you leaving them linger so long? Or do you want people to think you shot these that don't even match the aesthetic of your movie one bit? You could make the movie like 78 minutes. It would be fine. No one's going to be clamoring for more brain content. All of these shots, they look like they're on the hotel channel. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you know, when you go to casino, it's like, hey, you know, come see our fabulous buffet and while you're out here, you know, be sure to check out the wax museum we have next door. You know, stuff like that. Every shot looks like that where it's like those big panning shots, you know, of the strip, like in a helicopter or like in the casino, like, you know, 
rolling dice or like a big close up of the roulette wheel. Like everything looks like that. But they put it into a movie. Neil Breen once again wakes up on the ground of his car and he's got a gun and he walks to find this old bearded guy, which is one of the strangest goddamn things in this movie. This guy gets up and he falls and he hits his head on a rock and he's bleeding and then Neil Breen holds him and the guy dies. So he buries him while a stock footage bald eagle looks on. And and, and then Neil Breen's like, yeah, yeah. says he's his spirit. Like he's all like worked up about this guy. Well, and then like he get, doesn't he get like a, like a glittery rock from the old guy too? Yeah. Yeah, he does. He, yeah, he gets, he gets that rock it's like okay what the hell is this what we, we assume that this guy hits his head in a rock because he falls it cuts to neil running and then we see blood on a rock and blood on the side of the guy's head it's like oh okay i guess that yeah, happens it's so damn strange it's better to show than to tell they somehow figured out to do both yes <laughs> that shot he sleeps outside his car again, and there's more bloody help written on it. And then he goes, where are you? And he goes to the cemetery. He's, like, there. Well, he's, he doesn't just say, where are you? Doesn't he scream yeah, it like he's insane? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He says, like, I think he does it several times, like, where is who? What are you talking about, Neil? And then he goes to the cemetery, and then he's, like, by some water, and he goes, Mom, is there life after death? Dad, is there a heaven? I've got to know. I've got to know. We are filled with love, and we are at peace. And then some old people, like, answer him, him. Like, that answers his fucking question. Like, it, what? Who are you talking to? And then the hand, these hands, why like, are you, Why are your yeah, parents there? And he, like, reaches out. They, like, hands go to touch. And then they walk away. And he's back at the grave again. Like, what the f- Like, he, he asks yeah, them a question. And they answer with, like, some whack shit. That's like, wait, what? Were you even talking to each other? Like, you you didn't hear his question at all. You didn't answer You're, anything. The specter of your parents are dicks, man. Like, what? And also, what, he, he just accepts that they're there. He doesn't, like, holy crap, my dead parents are, I mean, I assume they're dead. Well, they're wearing white Neil Brain robes. is okay with ghosts. We've learned that in this movie. And nobody's really dead in his life that means something to him. Like, he's the, like... Uh, yeah, as much I... as he misses his wife, like he's spending time with her quite a bit in this movie. Like his dead wife. Maybe she's a ghost. Maybe he's just thinking about her. I, I don't know. I don't know what her presence is in this movie. But she's in it all the damn what if time. He's the one that's dead the whole time. Uh. And like the oh I don't know. He's he's seeing dead people. Like I I don't know. I don't want, no, I'm not thinking about that, no. So then, wait, so then just to make things better, he's at dinner with some people? Yes, it, it, it goes from seeing his parents, his, I assume, dead parents, to having dinner, like you said, with people we don't know who they are, we've never met them, and we never see them in the rest of the yeah, movie. He's like, good to see you at the lake the other day. 
did you see my and he goes did you see my parents so i'm like wait when did this happen like what like they were at the lake when he was talking to his parents like but this but this well, apparently yeah. will learn happened his in the past family, this happened like in the past right this is a flashback him with this his family right i, I don't know so i i don't think so because <sighs> so he's no. just immediately best friends with well, these people and yeah i may, mean i, I I don't think there's any reason to believe that this takes place in the past. I think this is the thing that happens after he sees his parents in the lake. It's like, all right, well, I'll go meet my friends for dinner, I guess. I think, I don't know, maybe, well, who like, the hell he, knows? He needs, like, he needs like a glass of water and like the girl asks if she could be the one to do it because you know, he's such an important fucking person. It's like a twelve-year-old yeah. girl. And while he's gone, yeah. the guy says like his daughter Megan was diagnosed with brain cancer, and then Neil Breen all of a sudden he has this rock in his hand, this little rock, and then I guess we get the idea that it's majestical. He touches her head, and which makes us return to him climbing desert hills some more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, that rock that he had in his hand—that's the rock he got from the oh, old guy. Oh, okay. So this takes place after that. So so here's here's a loner that Jesus lives in the desert, Christ. eats nothing but tuna, and yet he has friends that he meets for dinner with their family, I guess. Oh, and he can he can yeah. cure cancer. Probably. I mean, I guess that's what's going on there because he said that he has powers. Yeah, because he, he meets up with his like, his dead wife. And tells her he's been given an incredible power and cured Megan of cancer. And he'd like to use that power to bring her back. And then we see him with the old man again quickly, real quick. And then they go back and the wife's like, no, no, please. I'll always be here with you. Always. Save it. Yeah, so... So we spent the movie... She's always there with him. Yeah, no crap. She doesn't need to be brought back. She's always there. You're right. But we've spent this movie... He, he's the best at everything. He's super techno, technology guy, bioterror, all that. And then like 40 minutes into the movie, suddenly there's all this spiritual shit that comes out of right, nowhere. Yeah. Like, what? what? He, he He's like, he's, it, he's gone through his plane of like, he's graduated from like the greatest guy, best at everything to now better than Jesus. So now, not only can he, use technology to do everything. Now he has powers in which he can heal anyone. I'm surprised by the end of this movie, he doesn't have the ability of flight. Well, he was in the air force. So, you know, whatever, maybe he'll go up to a plane with his rock and then he'll have the ability of flight. You won't even need wings. He just flies like fucking Superman. My head hurts. So he gets on his laptops and he says the filters are active and to proceed, and we we have some. Well, yeah, yeah, he's he's on one of his yeah. five cell phones calling. We don't know who he calls someone to say yeah. this for some reason. We don't know what filters he's talking about. We don't know why they're active, but they are to this mystery person on the phone. And when I say mystery person, I don't mean it's a mystery to figure out who it is. We have no idea who he talks to. It's just he could be talking to uh he he could be talking to the time and temp. We have no I would love that. Idea Someone needs to make a video to. of every time him talking to somebody, it's time and temp. <laughs> it would make as much sense. It's like, oh, he's insane. Now the movie makes sense. 
Gosh. Okay. So yeah. So we get stock footage. I, they have a plane taking off. So I assume somebody's doing something in that plane. There's all kinds of footage of planes taking right. off in this movie. For the first time, he's sleeping in his car, and then he he opens a body bag that's like, and then is on a cliff with his wife, and then he's sleeping in the car again, and then we see the White House, and he's like, "It's me. Give me the president. Contact has been made." <laughs> The, what, what the fuck is going on? For what reason? And then the stock footage plane lands, and a military guy exchanges a brick of what we find out is airborne anthrax for some chemicals. And Neil Breen, uh, his voiceover, talks to these guys, that's, telling them to be f- careful. That's the most descriptive thing in the movie. There's uh, airborne anthrax for some chemicals. <laughs> Yeah, they, wait, I'll trade your shit for my, like, it's what in the, and he then goes to the parking lot and he meets with two dudes in suits and a woman on her cell phone runs into his car, the shopping cart that like plants a bug while another woman's videotaping yeah. everything from her car. And he's like, we, yeah. we need to get away yeah. from here. You know, bugs, taps and whatnot. And the, the guy's. They want to know about his quest. Like, I don't know what kind of fucking business. These guys seem like in awe of Neil Breen or the guy's like, you got to check out this asshole. Come on. <laughs> this guy yeah. thinks he's hot shit. He's out of his mind. Who needs five cell then, phones? Drug dealers don't have five and then, cell phones. And then phones. Neil Breen like asks him what they want and then lists a ton of like corruption stuff. Like, uh, like way too much shit. What do you have for me this time? Cryptography? Hacking into a banking system? Shutting down a power grid for a major city. Cutting off the water system for half the country. Hacking into the stock market. Closing down a bank. Fixing an election. It's all easy. Network-centric warfare. That doesn't mean anything, Neil. It just just more thing to certify how he is the best. Yeah, and the the guy even tells him, he goes, You're a genius. The best, but you know that. It's like, yeah, we know that. We've been watching this movie for forty-five minutes. He's got the personality of Donald Trump, you know, like like he, he's the best. He's he's the goodest at everything. That's what he is. In I'm his the best mind. at bio warfare. I do the biggest bio warfare. You will love the bio warfare that I do. It's <laughs> it's exactly. it's the most bio and warfare you've ever bio warfared. I know all kinds of things about biowarfare. You have no idea about biowarfare. Like, I have biowarfare. They want him to assassinate someone. They don't say who. They don't give us a clue who. And the woman, meanwhile, the woman with the video camera is shot in the head in her car. And we're not, ex- we don't know who what she she's is, videotaping, what she was who's doing, for, or yeah. who shot her. So then he pulls over and pulls the bug off his car. So part of this plan apparently has him getting dressed up and picking up a young couple who just got married. And he picks up a couple, and the girl's like, I can't believe we did this. I've only known you for two days. And Neil Breen's like, huh, this is Vegas. What took you so long? Like, huh, he's a master of Vegas. Yeah, all of a sudden, he's like super chill yeah, Neil Breen. James Bond, Neil Breen. Then offers him champagne, which knocks them both out. Because well, he injects a, a strawberry with something we right. don't know what something something red right. so uh, the girl wakes up while he's putting the guy in the trunk and then neil breen tries to tell the girl 
she's got no memory of anything and he's like we're the you know he's the one that got married to her and he's all like yeah we you know we had fun we did a lot of kissing we did the sex <laughs> he, had, he had sex in front yeah, of he a he had fountain. to add that you know they had sex like because you know girls just gotta get with the brain love the brain he, he calls machine, the guy yes. says he's got the package and where do you want delivered but apparently he picked up the wrong couple so he just like kicks her out like he picks up the guy puts him on the side of the road and then lays her conscious on the side of the road well it was so great before he does that he starts yelling at the woman get out (laughs) get out the marriage is over and it and it's more of that awkward neil brain is the worst actor in this movie and this movie is full of terrible actors i don't think there is a good actor in this whole thing, like the highest compliment you can pay to someone was is that you didn't hate listening to and them. Here's the talk. thing, too: getting two people to share an exchange in the same shot is rare as hell. Yeah, like I don't even yeah. know if anyone was ever acting with another human in this movie. You know, I don't know. Neil Breen and the wife character who rarely talks. And when she does, it's voiceover. In the same it's voiceover scene. when she talks. They share a lot yeah. of scenes together, but those might be the only exchanges in the same shot in the movie. When Neil Breen is walking up to the Luxor to meet someone from, I think, the agency, you see him walking up to him, but that's it. I think you see him like walking away. Yeah, they, I think the only time that we see multiple people in the same shot is when they are walking to someplace so they can talk because he talks to those people in the parking lot. We see them approach uh, each other, but yeah, as far as talking to each other, I think you're right. I think everything is a single and it creates, shot. Like these weird beats and like long, res- like waits between responses of people. It's, it's so awkward. I didn't even think about that. That's another weird wrinkle. And Neil Breen's got plenty of them uh, to this movie. So apparently, so he picks the wrong couple, and he goes to the right couple, but they've already been shot in the head. And Breen says it was a suicide pact. They knew it was coming. Like, ouch! Not only did they kill themselves, they shot themselves in the middle of their forehead, each of them. And also, they were able to place each other. They're sitting upright. I mean, they're sitting that they're leaning against each other. They're not. They're, their backs aren't supported or anything. Somehow, when they died, their muscles were still tense enough to still yes. sit straight up for for who knows how long. He he runs into a ghost wife and she asks him to forgive her and make time stand still. Forgive her for what? Dying for getting shot because of the business he's in. Maybe she didn't love him. That would be believable. <laughs> so he's back in Vegas, and he goes, I can wander the Vegas Strip, and no one knows what I'm about to do, because no one no fucking knows anyway. Like, <laughs> Why would they? they? And and then he, he... We don't know what's going on. We're watching the movie. We've been following your life for days. We don't know what the fuck is going right. on, so Neil. So he bumps somebody and wipes anthrax all over their arm. Oh, excuse me. Once it gets into the air, it kills immediately on contact. He'll be dead in five minutes. They can never be prepared for me, as hard as they try. And he calls 
this girl named Amber who's like somewhere near the Trump Tower and makes a and we, he makes a no sex deal with her for a hundred dollars. Yeah, and it, it's just more of that vo- more voiceover stuff where wait, well, who's talking? What's going on? Because we hear her voice when he's on the phone, and then it cuts away. He's like driving on the strip, and we hear her voice again, call him like a bastard or something. It's like, wait, is the conversation still going? Why are we still hearing her voice? Well, and she's all like, I'll need to see you before, you know, even with, like, it's like, whoa, 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 I thought you were so in love with your wife. It sounds like you've been boning this chick. Well, the heart goes on, That's but the true. does not. Uh, he goes to a, a car lot to steal a Ferrari because you know what? It's so easy. He uses a flip phone to steal a Ferrari. Right. Because with these electronic locks and these automatic starters, it's so easy. It's so easy. He asks for a private meeting with somebody, and he's like, I know everything. He picks up a dude in a red beanie with a fake goatee, like a fake ass goatee. Like it's like you cut paper out and taped it to your face. Fake goatee. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not like movie fake. It's like Halloween store, like low end Halloween store fake yeah. goatee. And so must- he pulls into like a parking lot, so where this blonde walks by, and then he sticks the guy with the needle, and then meets up with the suits guys where. He, the guy's clearly passed out in the car, and then he makes the reveal of pulling off the goatee, and they like freak out. And, and they, and they, yeah, they, they pull freak their out. Guns. They say, yeah, it's him. Like, it's him. Who is him? Who right. the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck are you? What is going on? Why did he pick this guy up? Why did he call him? What is his mission? Why are the are the filters still ready? Are the filters active? Yeah, and, so yeah, the all of a sudden we cut the the woman in red's dead now, and she was wearing a wig, apparently. <laughs> and she's just just in an alley somewhere. Just dead. Yeah. Whatever. 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 <laughs> and uh, one of the suits guys he gives a speech about transient tourists or some shit. It's so easy for this terrorist chemical sale activity to happen in any town like this. The people around here are all transient tours. They don't pay attention to what goes on around them. They're all preoccupied with seeing the sights and having a good time. They just disappear into the crowds. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Breen then meets up with an anthrax dealer to buy, and there's lots of dudes with guns out. And then the deal goes sour. You hear some shooting, and then we have Neil Breen saying everything went fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's chaos for a few seconds, and then... Neil Breen is standing where all of the chaos happened. With no dead bodies around. It's like With, it's everybody just left. It looks no, like. it's, Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, all right, we'll, we'll pick up with this later. Uh, but he just pulls out one of his five flip phones and says it's over. Everything's cool. Like, who are you talking to? What is cool? That bust went south. How, yes. how well, are you the best at everything, but you can't read a fucking situation that goes south when there are... Everyone is shooting. Absolutely everyone ah. is seen is shooting at each other. But it's fine. Everything is good. Yeah. Well, he gives the suits a brick of uh, anthrax to tell them he wants them to take credit for it. What a guy. And then confronts his ghost wife about being upset with his double life. And she kisses him and has to go. It's like, our love will never die. And then he's laptopping by a train. 
and he's yes, he's, he's got, got a trex. He's setting some stuff up around the world and climbs some more rocks and all of a sudden he's like got guns and he says like didn't mean to disturb your lunch and he shoots yeah. him like 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 who are you shooting? It's was it like in the desert again? Yeah, yeah, he was in the desert and it was like random. Yeah, like they were just like. I don't know, like four assault rifles leaned up against a rock, and yeah. then he says the lunch line and just blows. I'm just convinced. Shooting. I'm convinced he used every piece of footage that he shot in this movie. <laughs> Everything is one take with Neil Breen. Yeah, and he's whose lunch is he interrupting? I don't know. You never see who he shoots. He just has two pistols and starts firing wildly. Was he headed out to get more tuna? Like. <laughs> well that's how we we need to talk about how much tuna this guy has. we will get there we're almost there okay okay we, we'll will, get... we will get there there there's a oh good God. point to talk about it uh, he's we he then goes back in the car he's got his shirt off and he puts on a denim vest and says he's been given every medal ever which if you're counting is eight yes eight medals it's just the denim shirt with the sleeves ripped off <laughs> And he's got eight medals on it. Yep, and he's got that he's got that shirt buttoned way down. Oh yeah. It's like the fifth button down where it's finally buttoned. So he says he's now going to set off an EMP and you know, tells us what that is, and no one will know it was him. Because I don't know why he's setting off an EMP, but he is. And and yeah. then oh and then he has this like tantrum on the ground where he's like, I can't go on with this. I'm an American I can't go on with this. I can't go on with this. I'm an American. I'm an American. I love this country. My country. And and then he runs downhill screaming. (laughs) Yes. We don't know why. And and it's not like a small hill. It's a long hill. And he screams the entire way down. And then after the ro- after the ground gets flat, he's still kind of waving his arms around and running. Like, what is? Why are you upset, Neil Breed? I don't get it. Do you have all the medals? Why are you upset? You've got them all. You're the best at everything. He's the best. He's but he's the not. Best at- he's he's not the best at curing cancer apparently because he gets a call that the little girl Megan died. I think he died. She died. He's like, I completely missed that part. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> I thought I killed her. And then first he, he pouts on the ground, and, and I think this is where he runs in the Wait, desert, too. Is that where he's talking to the shadow man? He might be. Because the, he, he gets a phone call, or he calls someone, and it's another one of those conversations where you only hear Neil Brain talking. And he's on his flip phone, and occasionally it will cut to the shadow of a person and then I'll cut back to Neil Breen talking and we don't know who this person is. We don't know what they want. We don't know what the conversation's about, but maybe that's what it's about. It's like, I thought I, we well, said, yeah, that that's what, yeah. 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 He thought he, he thought cured he, her. Oh, he thought he cured her. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. That's what he was talking about. I thought it was just another one of those things like this doesn't matter. And actually it doesn't because it doesn't. This cancer <laughs> storyline doesn't matter. It's only in two damn scenes. There, it, it's in one more scene than the breast cancer that Lisa's mother had in the room. 
it's only slightly more relevant to what's going on because it's only in it slightly more. Yes. So he's driving around wondering what what went wrong with his his little self with his little self like is in the driver's seat. The the little his kid. seven year old self. Yeah. yeah. So he runs the de- through the desert some more, and his wife reaches out demanding forgiveness. And to make time stand still. Like, she wants time to stand still. Like, why is she... Fuck it. Uh, He he then pulls his pocket knife out and cuts his arm up. And he wakes up again with a bloody help. And and then he stares at the car. And he asks his reflection. He goes, what are you looking at? And the voiceover says, someone I used to know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Neil Breen's watching this movie, too. Yeah, there are multiple times where he said. Do you says, think he just during his final edit he just left a microphone on and like added this shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like there are multiple times where he he'll say a line, like uh, when he's just like, "Where are you?" That's like like he's reading the audience. Somehow he knows that's what they're thinking. <laughs> so a guy says he knows the Las Vegas connection. He's like, do your job. And then these group of guys walk away. And, like, all you're seeing is feet and stuff. Yes. And then Neil Breen steps in gum but knows it was planted there on purpose because it has a bug in it. So they, like, knew exactly where he would step to step on the gum. Hey, uh, Brandon, um, what the fuck is the Las Vegas connection? What? I... What? I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. What does that mean? What does any of this movie mean? <laughs> I don't know. It hurts. It, it really hurts. So Breen once again screams in the desert, Where are you? And he's running and cutting himself on some bone or on some bones. And then his wife shows up and magically makes it go away. I thought his arm was still bleeding from the microchip he no, took out. No, he, he that's trips. That's what it was. He trips and like there's like a like a skull of like some like bull, and he cuts his arm on it. I thought that she. W- I thought he was <laughs> because when he cuts the microchip out, it's on his left arm, I think. And then when his wife, his ghost wife, comes up and heals it, it's on the other arm. Yeah, I thought he cut himself on the bones of that were sitting out in the desert because he tripped and fell. Either are viable options for this movie. Yeah. Anything goes with Double Town. It doubles down on insanity. Yes. He can call some guy to talk about the filters again, and they're active and to proceed. They're still active! How many days has it been? Yeah. Where are the active? What filters? And Where are they? Then Who he, are you? He says there's a meeting tomorrow at 10 a.m., and then we have some old guys in suits stand while... You know, like, just stand around, and I guess they're important. And one welcomes people to Vegas and tells everyone they're safe. Because there should be an anthrax problem, right? He just wiped it on some guy. It's airborne. It's... He poured shit in the water? Yeah, the the reservoir, I guess. Oh. So now... Yeah, like, like, like he, yeah, you're right. He, he put that anthrax on him. There... He talks about how that guy will be dead in five minutes, and this thing's airborne. It spreads rapidly. That was days ago. Everything seems to be fine. He has slept and found help written bloody on his car many times since that. 
Absolutely, and the filters have been active this entire time. Oh, so after some sleep and whatnot, he tells he tells Las Vegas that he, he, here he comes, and he's back at the dead invest with all the medals, and he needs to stop the his own main attack on Vegas. Like he is his own the own the villain of Double Down as well. Maybe he was yeah. hired to assassinate himself. Yeah, I guess. What, so, what makes someone to stop the attack? There's nothing that... Like, was it his tantrum? Was that what did it that made him turn around and stop wanting to do this? Was it putting on the denim vest of metals that said, no, I need to not kill people anymore? There, there, it doesn't make any damn sense why he decides to stop trying to kill people. Even though, even though these attacks that he's done are happening in multiple cities, but he can only stop the one in Vegas. So he'll still kill hundreds of thousands of people, but Vegas, Sin City, that's what I'm able to say. He pulls over and sets up shop. Like, he sets up, and there's cars passing by. What would you think you drove by? There was, like, this guy with two satellites on the trunk of his car and, like, hanging on his laptop. Yeah. Um, that's, apparently that's how he connects to, to, to uh, the satellites that he can do anything with or the direct TV satellite dishes. And yes. He has two of them on the back of his car. I just wish he would drive with them because apparently every time he stops, he has to pull them out of the car and reattach them onto the back of his trunk. He calls the government guys that were in the previous scene. To instruct them how to prevent a national catastrophe. And there's just some guys by the train tracks that get in a gunfight. But I don't yeah. know who these guys are, what they're doing, but they like they get in a gunfight and then like one turns on another. And just shoots them in the head. Yeah. We don't we don't know who these people are. We don't know why they're shot. This other guy. They're just people with guns by a train track that apparently has some kind of contact with Neil Breen. We don't know why. So the government guys, like these guys that told them it was safe, everybody was safe before, they're all been miffed, and they're like, how can this happen? And then Breen calls them small distractions, and it's more than they can prepare for, and they're like, go to court orange. Go to court orange. Go to code red. Go to code red. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the Las Vegas strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels on the strip. Prepare to evacuate the hotels. All these stupid, like, robotic sounding commands is... And again, it's like uh, every single outdoor single shot of a person where it's shot low and you see nothing but sky. So it could take place anywhere, and it's really off-putting. Breen says he's he's done all he could do to prevent it. His loyalty is to his country. And then he looks in his trunk to find vials amidst a shitload of tuna cans. This truck is fucking full of them. Like, how bad did that smell opening that shit up? That is tuna. 
Yeah, and these are all opened cans of tuna. Tuna smells terrible when it's fresh. Yes. All right. Well, we'll fresh out of a can, whatever. But it smells even worse. It's been fermenting in the damn sun in the Las Vegas desert. That's awful. How could... I mean, it is ridiculous. Like, and we see him eating it sloppily and stuff like that. This is the guy that would throw it out the window, right? I mean... Exactly. This isn't the guy that goes, oh, let me pull over, throw it in my trunk. His car must smell so bad. <laughs> if he took a big, fat... I bet uh, he just smells like tuna. Like, I mean, he's in the same clothes the whole fucking movie. And, like, he, he keeps... If, if he took a big, fat, white castle shit, it would improve the smell of the car. And he he keeps that denim vest in the trunk. Oh, my God. That's got to... Oh. Oh, that's got to be terrible. How is this guy not getting attacked by wild cats constantly in oh. this movie? He finds his magic rock in one of the, like, tuna cans, and he asks it for help, and he runs up more hills, and then, like, the old man's there, but it doesn't matter. Uh, and then his wife <laughs> waves him on, and it's like, don't leave me, come back. And he carries her down the hill, but she disappears when they get to the bottom, and then reappears again. And then disappears again. And then there's a skull in the green body bag. So is he even like keeping his wife around in this body bag? Is that what we're to, to believe? Like he never it, buried her and she's just in the body bag? Is that, or is it even happening? Is this happening in his mind? Is this an emotional body bag? Uh, I don't know. Well, and then he takes a big rock and destroys his laptops. And then he's carrying his wife again. And then we see the kids holding hands and then he watches yeah, the, yeah seven year old versions of them yeah. yeah and then he watches his little self walk away and says i'm sorry but it had to be this way and then the kid appears in front of his car when he's getting ready to drive and then disappears and then like is behind the car and then in the car like a hand reaches up from the back seat to like hold his hand that's like resting on the console and, and that's his, it's his wife, it's his, his ghost wife. wife. We see, yeah, ghost wife's in the rear view. And then it's just like him driving away and like and shots he, of the desert. Yeah, he's like, thank you for loving me. And he's like, forgive me. It had to be this way. And then he ends his own movie on like stock footage of the ga- of the fucking desert. Yes, it, it, and it fades to black in credits. And that's it. That's the movie. What the fuck happened? Where was the resolution? What was the plot? It did not have to be this way. I love that his movie ends with an apology. Again, he's talking directly to the audience. Forgive me. It had to be this way. As if to say, I don't know how to make a movie, but I wanted to make a movie. So I made this movie. I made footage and I I put it together and I'm going to call it a movie. I recorded all of the footage from the hotel channel at the casino and I I shot some stuff with myself in the desert. I got some of my fellow architects and real estate agents to play whatever role I could find them in. I pulled them out in the parking lot. I shot them. I shot them. um, uh, uh, I shot the camera up at them and then I made a movie. I put it together and here it is, Double Town. Double down on what? What are you doubling down on? You can't just put a movie in Vegas and call it Double Down 
and expect people to fucking know what your movie is. A movie that's outside of Vegas. That takes place yeah. in Vegas for two seconds. A movie that took place everywhere he didn't need a permit or wouldn't get caught for not using a permit. Oh, yeah, there's no way this guy... Like, anytime he's in Vegas and it's actually his footage, it is very brief. There's... Uh, yeah, it just had to be... It just had to look like he was a tourist. That's the only way he was able to shoot My question, on this script. Who's the cameraman for this movie? Like, you know... That this guy was just him and Neil Breen for most of this. And you know what? Even when there's other people, it might have been Neil Breen filming it. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. And, and we know that... Because it's not a tripod. The, the thing moves. Yeah. When when he's running and screaming down a hill like a toddler jacked on pixie sticks, the camera is moving. Like, how into this was this guy? <laughs> exactly. Like, maybe this, he, he said, Neil Breen said to this person, look, if you run camera, you don't have to be in my movie. He's like, fine, I'll do it. I don't want my face to be shown. <laughs> on your fever dream that you call Double Down. Now comes the point in the podcast where we uh, rate the movie we just watched. As we are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we keep things nice and culty. The options are stay with your family, which means you only need one laptop in life. You're set on it. That's fine. Converted, you have two laptops. That's what you need. That's what you have. (laughs) Or drinking the Kool-Aid, you're the best. You've got two laptops, two satellite dishes, two split phones. You have all the medals. So, Cullen, how do you rate Double Down? I I don't know how to rate this. I do not know how to rate this. This is madness. This whole movie is Neil Breen fan fiction about himself. It, it's just it's just how he imagines how the coolest, most badass person would be, and it turns out that the coolest, most badass person he thinks he can be is a fucking villain a terrorist a mercenary but they're the best at everything so they're the hero what the fuck neil breen what what is wrong with you i don't know how to rate this thing (laughs) this is the most crazy fucking thing i've seen i can't believe it's only an hour and a half. It feels like four hours. Netflix said, hey, we're going to put this on. Like, it used to be on Netflix. Did it? Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, shit. I don't know. Because oh. it, is, it, it is remarkable um, how this is considered a movie. <laughs> I don't... The, there's, the, there's no plot. It's just stuff that happens. There, there's no... I wouldn't even call it a resolution. It's just the end of the movie. It's where the credits start. It's where we get to see Neil Breen credited for nine different things on this movie, including catering. Well, I had to return the equipment. Movie's over. (laughs) Exactly. Don't watch it alone. I will say that. Um, It's unlikely you will watch it a second time. If you do watch it a second time, make sure you watch it with 
people that have not seen it yet so you can see what you looked like when you watched it the first time. God. Oh. I, I don't know. I don't know how to rate this. I I want to say drink the Kool-Aid, but not because it's so good, but so you can just end it and you can end your suffering. I want it in the traditional sense, not as far as our rating system. I, yes, that is what I'm saying. I can't. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Brandon, how do you rate this? Uh, I, I am, I am going to, I'm going to stay with my family. (laughs) There's no fucking way I'm going to watch this again in a long time. There are ways to watch highlights of this movie. This, this, I'm not going to like completely, this has some amazing stuff in the movie. The tuna eating, some of the baffling choices, Neil Breen's like dramatics. At tra- during tragic moments in this film, but holy shit, this this hurt to watch the second time. And, and no, definitely do not watch this by yourself. Do not. It's you're only hurting yourself. You probably won't make it through the movie. You might not even enjoy some of it, the laughters. But good fucking lord, this is crazy. And I think I, I'm staying with my family because I know he's going to make something. That I will probably recommend. And that's where you should start your brain journey. And then maybe peruse to something like the best of the worst video about this. And get it. Because then you'll know. You have to, you know, before you watch clips of stuff, you you have to watch like one Neil Breen movie that you're going to get it and enjoy. But this one, oh my God. If it was, it was, the problem with this one is so much damn voiceover. You just lose any sense of, of being a movie when you don't see humans interact with each other for 20 minutes. They barely interact the whole movie. It's all voiceover. It's all Neil Breen just climbing around in the desert and stock footage. I just, it was it was tough to watch this. It was tough to watch the first time, to be honest, because we watched, uh, we had seen another of Neil Breen's movies that went very well for us and then followed it with this one that just didn't. But this is a it it's so fucking weird that this movie is something that happened, but I, yeah, I'm going to stay with my family for double down. I will not double down on the double down. This movie bore into my soul, hollowed it out and filled it full of canned tuna. It's bad. <laughs> it's, it's, when we watch these movies, sometimes we'll, we'll say like, was this worse? There, there are two movies that we did that we kind of go back and forth on what's the worst and like it's Barbarella and blood freak and which some listeners might be like Barbarella, but man, I, it's hard to watch that movie. I, I really, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. Try and watch it. Maybe we're the two guys wrong about it, but Jesus, it hurt. I, I have a hard time not falling asleep to Barbarella. Yes. It, yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's soft core porn that is afraid to be soft core porn. And it's boring. It's really boring. Uh, but th- this, I don't know. We uh, we might have a new king of terrible. I think we do. Oh my god! I told you off air. I'm like, I would rather watch Barbarella than this. At, at least with 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 Barbarella and Blood Freak, 
we kind of know what they're kind of trying to do there. And it makes some kind of sense within the context of the movie. This is just what the fuck. That's what the movie could be called. Just what the fuck with a picture of, of Neil brain, just giving you the finger. Cause that's what this movie feels like. Hey, this is Las Vegas, baby. Next week on cult cinema cavalcade, We'll be continuing Neil Breen's filmography. It was four years before he gets another film out. And this next one is called I Am Here. Now. Yes, three dots. Now. This is uh, going to be another step forward in the Breen process. I think we're going to be thankful uh, this Thanksgiving that we'll never have to watch Neil Breen do anything again. Please give me the fucking Ewoks. Please give me the fucking Ewoks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sindel. I'm sorry, Wicket. I'm sorry, Mace. Oh, this episode has come to an end. We look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer for I Am Here. Now, the trailer that actually trails. not the way I intended my experiment in creating this planet and this human species to go. best of intentions of improving the nation's sustainable energy systems and environment, but the corruption and greed in big business and government just won't let it happen. to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Colin's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at MyNameIsColin. 
You can find more of Brandon's work at whysoblue.com and on Twitter at btpeters. Podcast produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon. Narration by Becky. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Get out! The marriage is over! Get out!